The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Yesterday, we began a message by Elder John Morgan Owens about famine. Brother John Morgan was asking the question, what do you do when the famine comes? We looked at the reactions of several children of God in the Bible. Some fled to Egypt, some fled to Moab, but some stayed the course and sought the help of the Lord. Child of God, I hope when the famine comes in your life that you'll stay in the kingdom of God and seek the help of Almighty God. Join us today for the conclusion of this message entitled, When the Famine Comes. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Oh, 
Israel's out there in the wilderness. In Psalm 78, I'll never forget this. Brother Craig Blair uh, shared this with this church. One of the first messages I think I ever heard him preach. It was around the time, very beginning days of revival of this church. And he started and read this, this verse. In Psalm 78 and verse 19. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Now notice that the people in this psalm are saying this as a statement of disbelief. <laughs> They're saying this as a mockery. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can He really provide in the midst of a wilderness? Well, I believe that the Israelites were a, a testament of that. Right. That they were out there in the wilderness 40 years. And we're not just talking about a small group of people. We're talking about millions of people. And, and they didn't have uh, takeout. <laughs> they, didn't know, they didn't have catering. He just catered from heaven when he sent down manna from heaven and he rained it on them. Isn't that amazing? That he would rain down exactly what they needed. And you know when the manna stopped? The day they crossed over into the promised land. He, he blessed exactly what they needed. I can't help but think about, I think I've shared this with you before, with, with, uh, when Meredith and I got married, I was still in uh, college. Meredith was the breadwinner, right? And so I was going through law school at the time, and I'm telling you, man, it, it, we were a sinking ship the whole time, okay? We had savings, and I'm telling you, we, we were just sinking the entire time, eating into savings the whole time down through law school, through the bar exam. And, and literally, the day after the bar exam, I got an overdraft notice that we had run out of money, right? It had clean run out. The manna had stopped. Suddenly, it was, it was time. Uh, the Lord had said, I've gotten you here. Now, now pick it up, right? I think about that every time when I read about that passage where the manna stopped. Okay, so the Lord can furnish a table in the wilderness. We've seen that here. We've seen that in, in uh, the Bible. Now we come to uh, Ruth. And if you'll turn over there with me to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth in chapter 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, uh, Bethlehem Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons, and the name of the man was Elimelech. Now, you think about this. Elimelech is sitting there in the promised land. He's sitting there in Bethlehem, Judah. Bethlehem meaning the house of bread. Famine comes, and he says, I want to leave the house of bread where God has said he's going to bless and I'm going to go down to Moab. That sounds like a great idea, right? He goes down there, and of course his sons take wives. Well, it's not so great in Moab either, folks, right? It may seem like the world has all the answers, but it's not so great out there either. And so what happens is Elimelech dies, his sons die, and it's his wife and his daughter-in-law is left. Okay? So famine has hit doubly hard at this point for them. 
Because not only are they in the midst of a famine in, in, the, in the region, but now they have no providers, okay? They are left and stranded in a place that isn't their home, or at least not Naomi's home. How people respond to, uh, to famine, it, it will determine the course of events in the future, okay? Think about your family. Do you want to set up your family for failure, or do you want to set them up for success, okay? How you respond to the famines in your life will dictate a lot of those things. Now, I want to contrast what Elimelech does to what Ruth did in the midst of her famine. Okay, famine has hit Ruth hard at this point. She's married. Her husband dies. All she's got left is her mother-in-law and her uh, flaky sister-in-law. Okay, <laughs> her sister-in-law eventually leaves, and it's just her and her mother-in-law. And what does she do? I mean, anybody at that point would be shaken. Famine is, is knocking at the door hard. And what does she do? She says, I will be faithful in the midst of this. I will push through temporary discomfort. And eventually, what does she do? She goes back. She goes back to the house of bread, to the place that they know there will be some food. And what does she do? She attaches herself to her kinsman redeemer. How about that? They go back, and she, she picks herself out, that man. She attaches herself to him, her, her kinsman. I pray that when famine hits you, you don't take the easy way out, that you push through discomfort. Because it's just going to be temporary. You realize that, right? right. The, it, it may seem like it's taking forever, but the pain is really going to be temporary, okay? Even if you endure it for the rest of your life, that's temporary. Because there's coming a day where you're going to be in permanent bliss in the arms of your Savior. And so she goes and she attaches herself to the person who has the means to provide for her. I pray that you might attach yourself to your Savior, Jesus Christ, your kinsman redeemer. Because guess what? In the midst of famine... He has got all that you need. Now, there's no promise that says that, it, it, that the, as soon as you call upon his name, that you're going to be delivered from famine. No. Think about, think about the, um, the widow that Elijah came and spent time with, right? Just because the Lord blessed her didn't mean that the famine was over. But I, I, I believe it's even sweeter than that. You hear me? I believe it's even sweeter than just being delivered from the famine because the Lord was with them in the midst of the famine. Can you imagine spending time with the Lord? Him providing for you your daily meal. We'll get there in just a second. Let's go to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel and, and uh, chapter 21. This is an a interesting famine that we have here. 2 Samuel chapter 21 then there was a famine in the days of David three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is for Saul and for his bloody house, 
because he slew the Gibeonites. Now, here we have a man of God, a man after God's own heart. He is experiencing famine. And what does he do? He turns to God for the answers. That ought to be an example to us. Turn to God for the answers. God gives them the answer. He says, this famine is because of Saul's uh, uh, oath-breaking. Okay, So what had happened, these, these Gibeonites, there was an oath dating back all the way to the days of Joshua where they made an agreement with each other that they would be at peace with one another. Okay, And all the way up to the time of Saul, they had honored that. And then Saul broke that, that oath. All right, and so then, then what happens is David goes about to amend, to fix the problems. You know, a lot of times you as a disciple of God, placed in various uh, sundry situations in your life, you will be called upon to be peacekeeper, okay? You will be called upon to smooth over the mistakes of others. So what did David do? He said, what is it going to take? for us to amend, for us to fix these problems. And of course they said, we don't want money. <laughs> we want seven of his uh, descendants, and we're going to hang them. Man, what a tough, a tough position that puts David in. There, there are some descendants of Saul left. He's made a covenant with one, with Mephibosheth, right? He made a covenant with him. So basically he goes, he goes out, and he says, you're going, you're going, not Mephibosheth, you're going, you're going, you're going. He picks out seven people, sends them over, and, and they hang them. But justice was done, and the famine stopped. Now, that is a man who is willing to do hard things, willing, willing to do whatever it takes to glorify God um, and, and to make amends for uh, terrible things that Saul did. Yeah. <clears throat> now, 1 Kings, we get to Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. We come and we, we visit with Elijah here for a second. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, the king Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you really, you really know how to put yourself on the right side of the king, don't you? You come up and you, and you say, <clears throat> there's not going to be any rain or any dew. Uh, that's what the Lord says, and he's not going to bring it until I say so. That's basically what he just said, okay? So he goes out in the wilderness, and, and by the way, just to follow up on that story, Ahab hates Elijah from then on, okay? Ahab wants Elijah's head. Then Elijah goes out in the wilderness, and God supplies his needs in the midst of famine. But just because God is there and supplying your needs does not mean it's going to be a five-star hotel, okay? <laughs> because what does Elijah get? Poor guy. He gets fed by ravens. Little, little birds come. They fly to him and they bring him food. I'm sure that, that was not, the food was not glorious. 
And it was in the, in the beak of some weird bird, you know. But yet God sustains him, okay? Just because you're in a famine doesn't mean, and, and God comes with you, doesn't mean that you're going to have a wonderful time. But the Lord will sustain you nonetheless. Will He let His people go hungry? No. He will provide. And so then we come down in, in that uh, chapter uh, to where uh, Elijah goes to this, um, this widow. And verse 13, Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. The Lord is going to provide for that sweet little widow and her son and Elijah all the way until the rains come. So why do you need? Why do you need to go down there into the world? Because the world doesn't have the answers, okay? They're looking for the answers too. But they're, they're looking in all the wrong places, right? They're looking for the answers, but why are we not satisfied? Why am I not satisfied with this life? I thought I was going to be happy with that house, with that car, with all these things that I'm consuming, but they're, they're not enough. That's what the world's trying to do. Why would you go to them for answers when the answers are right here in the Word of God and the house of God? Amen. God will provide for you. Things may look scary. Things may uh, look terrible. You know, there's, there's a, we've got inflation going on right now. There was a time of inflation. Matter of fact, in uh, 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, it was, it was so bad. Let's turn over there. It was in the midst of this famine. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 25. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of doves dung for five pieces of silver. Man, you want to talk about inflation. In the midst of famine, it's so inflated. They would pay 80 pieces of silver for a donkey's head? I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay anything for that, right? I would pay you to take the donkey's head away, right? But they said, man, get all the silver that you've got. You know, put it in the cart. Let's take it to town. I want that donkey's head, right? And then they even said it was so bad that a cab... I'm sure that's some type of measurement, a part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. What are, I mean, what are, you, are they eating it? I don't know what they're going to do with it, but that's a desperate situation. So bad. As a matter of fact, later, just a few verses down, the, these, these women come to the king and they, with some complaints because they say, uh, I've had an argument with my neighbor uh, yesterday, she said, um, can we eat your son today? Terrible. And then, and then she said, no, I, we're going to eat your son today. You'll eat my son tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, and guess what? The lady is, is not giving her son up, right? That is terrible. 
That was the famine they were in. Okay, so famine may come, and it may be very, very serious. Inflation, whatever the stock market may drop, whatever it is, and you may be sitting there thinking, how, Lord, are you going to provide this time? The Lord provided in this time. We have have yet in this nation to get to a point in our, uh, you know, and where the, the inflation is right now, uh, post-COVID, all the stuff that's going on, you know, we have yet to get to a point where we're saying, man, are we going to have to eat somebody, okay? But the Lord provided then. So then, that's in, that's in the time of Elijah. He was, in, in, the, uh, in the meantime, he, the Lord was providing for that widow. Then Elijah shows up again, calls for King Ahab, of course, Ahab has been wanting to get uh, Elijah's head uh, uh, ever since then. And Elijah shows up to Ahab, and he says, we'll talk about this famine thing, but I want, I want a contest. <laughs> he calls for all of the prophets of Baal, and he says, Mount Carmel, let's duke it out, right? That's what it, that's what it comes to. Makes me think of, you know, like, Sometimes when in school, you know, uh, these boys, you know, they're trying to show their manhood and they would, get, they would get upset at each other and they would say, all right, locker room after school or something like that. You know, that's what was happening. It was a showdown between this one little prophet of God and all of the prophets of Baal. Of course, we know how that turned out, right? That was in the midst of famine. That was that the Lord was providing and blessing in mighty ways in famine. You know, I'm not saying that God sends you every famine that you experience in your life. A lot of these people, the famines that they experienced were their fault. Okay? Think about Jacob, all the famines he experienced. It was his fault. But there may be opportunities for you in the midst of famine. The Lord may just be raising you up, just like he, he raised up Elijah, just like he raised up Esther in the midst of a, of a famine in the situation they were dealing with, to do great things for his name's sake. Yeah. I believe we live in a time of famine spiritually in our world, in our nation. Now, you can get discouraged about it. You can get angry about it. You can blame CNN. You can blame Fox News. You can do whatever you want. But here's what we need to do. God just may be raising you up to do something great in the midst of this famine. But guess what? You're not going to do anything if you give up now. All right? You're not going to do anything if you turn from this path and you go into the world and you say, well, there's no, I'm experiencing the hunger and the problems, the identity crisis, whatever is going on in this world, and you say, I'm going to find my answers in the world. Listen, the world doesn't have the answers. The world is so confused right now. (laughs) You you want to talk about gender, you know, identity and gender politics, all this sort of stuff. I mean, they are confused as they can get. They don't have the answers for you. God has the answers for you. All right, last place. Let's go to Matthew 15. There are a lot of other famines that we could that we could talk about, especially since famine doesn't necessarily have to be 
a lack of food. I believe we were in a, in a time of great prosperity on the food side of things, right? But we are in a famine spiritually. And you've got many people in Scripture that face those kind of situations. But I want to show you this. We've gone way too long without touching on Jesus, okay? Matthew 15, verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. (laughs) And his disciples come to him and they say, that's great, (laughs) but we have no food. (laughs) Jesus says, how many loaves have you? They said, seven and a few little fishes. I'm sure they're doing the math in their head and they say, we can't do it. We can't feed them with all this. Yet the Lord says, feed them anyway. I will not send my people away hungry. And so they feed them and they did all eat and were filled and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. The leftovers from this meal were way more than they had to begin with. But yet, when famine comes for you, who is the very first person that you turn away from? The very first person that I turn away from when famine comes for me is my Savior. Why on earth would I do that? He is the only one who guarantees to feed you in the midst of famine. And I'm sure that those people... After, after hour six or so of just following Jesus, maybe they got a little nervous. I mean, are we going to eat? I'm, I know. I'm, I mean, this is speculation, but listen, I know. There got to be some, some little ones, some families in there that are probably looking at each other and saying, uh, did, why didn't we bring any food? What are we doing? You know, well, day two comes around. Day three comes around. It may be that you have to endure a little hunger. But God is not going to let you faint, okay? He is not going to let you go without eating at some point, okay? And I love that, the compassion that he has on the multitude. So what do you do when famine comes for you? I pray to God that you stick with him, that you, like Ruth, might attach yourself to him because he has promised he will not let you go faint. We have such a need uh, of that in our society. We have such a need for that in our church. I know from my own personal experience, I'm not calling anybody out, okay? I know from my own personal experience, when I begin to be in a famine spiritually, guess whose fault it is? It's not God's fault. It's my fault, okay? Maybe I haven't put in the efforts of study or prayer or fellowship with God that I should have, and you begin to feel that famine, and you just hunger and you thirst for Him. And you know what happens (laughs) when you get hungry and thirsty? It's This weird thing happens when you begin to to be a little self-destructive. The longer you spend away from God, the less time you want to spend with Him. The less likely you are to turn back, the more you want to just settle down into your filth. It's so sad. 
You, am I the only one in here that's ever experienced going too long without praying to my God? And then I think to pray and then I say, but I'm not worthy to pray to Him. I've gone so long. You know, that is a lie that Satan feeds you. <laughs> I'm telling you, you go back to Him. Even if you're not yet feeling it yet, right? Brother Tim preached, I believe it was last Sunday night. The, the fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> you know, that, that you, you go ahead and you do the work and your thoughts will be established. You go ahead and you go back to the house of bread, to the house of God, and God will provide you food. Just don't give up yet, okay? Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.